Welcome to The Joy Factor, a podcast dedicated to helping you create a path to joyful living each and every day. We're sharing inspiration from real people combined with practical tools you can use to unleash the playful and joyful spirit already inside you. Now, here's your host, therapist, life coach, and yoga teacher, Julie Hansen. Hello and welcome to the Joy Factor Podcast. I'm glad that you're joining us today. My guest is fellow yoga teacher, life coach, and podcaster Amy Day. Amy is a powerful force in the world of healing, community, and social justice. One of the things that caught my eye on her website as I was preparing for the interview is this little piece. She writes, I believe in our innate ability to mend restore, suture, and repair what is ailing, both in our own hearts, bodies, lives, but also in the world beyond. I believe in daily, sustainable micro-shifts that lead to long-term growth and deep transformation. I believe the time is now. You with me? So... That's Amy Day, and we're going to talk to her today. So if the state of the world has got you feeling down, if you're feeling a little angry, maybe guilty, worried, maybe all of those things, just stop what you're doing and check Amy out. All right. Welcome to the show, Amy Day. I am glad to have you here today. Uh, Thanks, Julie. I'm really, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So I know you're really passionate about community building. Can you just kind of talk me through how did this become so important to you? Oh, where do I begin? (laughs) So I've been teaching um, for a long time. Um, I've been working in the, the yoga and kind of wellness space for a while. Um, and I had kind of had a point where, um, teaching group classes felt I'd kind of done what I could do with it. And so I knew that I really wanted to work with people more, um, intently and more intentionally and beyond just like physical postures, because I knew, and I know that yoga has so much more to offer than just, you know, physical movement. And so, um, a while back, I transitioned my work more into working one-on-one and taking kind of the teachings of yoga, teachings of herbalism, teaching of all the different traditions that I've been steeped in, kind of healing these to private clients um, and into group work. And one thing I notice, as much as I love the experience of working with a private client and I can really show up and hold space for them, you know, as you know, you know, as you're just really, really being there for them one-on-one and really allowing whatever needs to come forth for them to come forth. I just, I've witnessed over time, there's something so powerful in being seen, being witnessed, being held by more than one, by having your own, your own stories, your own kind of fears or challenges or shadows, your, your stuff, right? Just reflected and um, offered up by another. And so um, it, there's more I can say on that, but a big piece of it is that for me. I love working in, in small committed groups of people where we collectively hold space because I think there's just something really, really deeply powerful. Okay. And so from kind of that 
frame of res- reference, can you, cause I know I love these interests of, you know, the community building and, you know, the yoga piece, but also just how, what does social justice have to do with any of this? I know that's another right. piece that's really <laughs> key to who you are. It It's become so more and more. And I think, you know, a piece of it, you know, as you know, like coming from the modern, you know, kind of yoga, spirituality, wellness space, you know, it's really been commodified in the last, you know, even maybe just even five, 10 years, you know, it's we've really seen it shift from um, this idea of a practice and this idea of a tool and something that you can use to empower you as a person and an individual to this thing to be consumed. You know, we see, um, you know, I had memories of going on a, a trip with my husband, oh, you know, years ago, we, we went to one of the big like yoga conferences. I, I dragged him basically mm-hmm. <laughs> to one of these big yoga festivals. And I was like, it'll be fun, you know, and you do like multiple yoga classes every day. And then at night there's dancing and there's like high end vegan food. And, you know, it was at a time in my life where that made sense. And I remember getting there and just we couldn't really find the enjoyment in it. You know, we looked at the kind of money we were spending. We looked at just, you know, the level of affluence that you had to have just in order to partake of this. And there was a part of me that just felt like, I was like, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be a part of a commodified, super exclusive, bendy, white people only, you know, like this, if there's medicine here and if there's healing here, which I know there is, it needs to be made available to the people who have need of it. You know, it can't just be this commodity for upper middle-class white bendy people, you know? (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I think that's become a part of it for me as I really, I, you know, we're not called to like, go bliss out, um, you know, at festivals and, uh, you know, $5,000 retreats in Costa Rica multiple times a year, you know, we're called to like take up these practices so that we can be a force for change in the world. Again, you know, I know we don't have a ton of time together, so I could probably keep talking about this (laughs) indefinitely, but I think for me, just, you know, these are practices of empowerment, not so that we can get to this mythic state of wellness and purity, but so that we can really be that change, right? Be that force for good for the people who are really suffering and need, need that healing that we, we carry. Right. Well, and I know you've said that we're moving all the resources in the wrong direction and that it's time to put them back into the world. I would love to know, like for the average person listening who thinks, oh, I want to, I want to do something, but I'm not really sure what I could do or where, where I could get started. What are your thoughts on that? Like, how, how do we do that? That very important work of, you know, bringing it back out into the world and not just Mm -hmm. kind of being focused on our own individual experience of yoga or of, you know, whatever we're experiencing that's good. Like, how do we give that back? So I was raised in the Judeo-Christian tradition, and um, you know there are some beautiful things about that, and some things that I've I've thankfully chosen to to let that just be part of the, the past and um, my lineage. So, but one thing that I move forward with, and that I really resonate with, is this idea of tithing. And to me, that was given to me as this notion as you know you give ten percent of whatever you have back. 
And it, it doesn't, you know, it, traditionally it's money, right? You know, if you are blessed in such a way that you have more than what you need, um, then you're in a position that you could give, you know, 10% of that to an organization, to um, an individual, to a family, to, you know, to a cause that you care about. But, um, you know, for some of us, we're not in that position. You know, maybe we are going, moving paycheck to paycheck. Maybe we have more time. Maybe we have more gifts and abilities. Maybe we have um, things that we can teach. Maybe we have skills. Maybe we have stuff, right, that we can share. Maybe there's just, you know, we have closets and closets full of stuff. It's, it's so, <laughs> side side thing, Me, um, I, I have a... a I, I'm part of a, a podcasting project as well that I do with um, a fellow friend and writer, and we call it we call it Mend. And part of what we've been looking at this season is this idea of how do you take what you have, even if you don't have a lot of money in the bank, and still be a force for change and still be a force for good. And sometimes I think you know it just takes a little bit of reevaluating what we actually possess because all of us has some modicum of wealth. You know, even if it just means we know a lot of stuff, we've read a lot of books, right? We've, we've mm-hmm. traveled, we've had a lot of experiences. And I think all of those things we tend to take for granted in an overly moneyed culture, right? And so I think just re- remembering kind of the wealth that we possess and seeing how we can bring some of that to the places where we, we, we see a need. Well, that idea of taking what you have and still being a force for good, and you said that that is part of what you're working, your this season of your podcast mend. And that is, you know, whatever you have to recognize it and, you know, begin to not only cultivate it within yourself, but also to share it. And in my world, I'm looking to help people connect with their joy. And I think that yeah, for a lot of people, maybe for most people, joy just seems like, huh, that's kind of a lofty goal, isn't it? <laughs> you know, like, wouldn't it be okay to just be a little happy sometimes or isn't having a, you know, kind of an occasional laugh enough? Like, ooh, what's with the joy? But I really believe that there are so many people who are cut off from even the possibility because they are so kind of consumed with the day-to-day survival needs that it's difficult yeah. to really think, oh, yeah, I, I, I want to go claim my right to a joyful life. And so I think part of what you're, what you're saying is, you know, can I share a little bit of what I've got to kind of make someone else's life better in whatever way that might be. It might be, you know, donating some money. It might be sharing knowledge. It might be sharing perspective. And so if you were thinking about kind of who your role models are when it comes to your own sense of having a joy factor, or it could even be a quote or what is it that kind of wakes you up on the inside and, and gives you a sense of joy in your daily life? Well, see, when you say joy, it's interesting what comes to my mind. And, and that's what, part of what I, you know, I love about your, your messaging and what you share is because when I, I think of joy, I think of it as it's so much deeper than mm-hmm. like an ephemeral feeling state, right? I mean, like, as we know, like happiness can really just be, you know, deep, you know, highly circumstantial. It could be weather dependent. Mm -hmm. It could be 
you know, because you've got just the right amount of dopamine flowing through your brain at a given time. <laughs> you know, it it comes, it goes, and it's a beautiful thing, but it's not something that you can really um and so I mean I really think of this sense of like resilience you know we're building resiliency we're building a way to be in this life where we can still feel solvent we can still feel connected we can still feel supported and buoyant even when I, I was gonna I was gonna swear because I, I I do that fairly regularly, but I don't know if I can do that on your show. You um, just even when things get really difficult, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> um I I I always just want to yeah, respect the space that people have created. I'm just like I know I like to swear like a sailor, but not everyone does. <laughs> as long as you're not just swearing I, at me. I, yeah. <laughs> I think it's you know, it's this idea of, of building in some, some resilience, you know, that's what I think of when I think of joy is the ability to stay solvent and buoyant in the midst of whatever life is, um, yeah, throwing at us because that is really where, where things get moving and where our, you know, where the gold is, I think. That is so true. I love, I love that you're, that you threw out resilience. And so if, if I wanted to start my own little resilience practice, and we're kind of moving maybe into spiritual practices here, which I know is another passion of yours. What would be your advice to somebody who really was just the very first tiniest step that they could take to having more resilience in their life? You know, there's a lot of tools and there's a lot of different directions I point people in. But, you know, when you said that just now, kind of what came to mind is a lot of times, you know, when I am teaching a group class, I like to... um, you know, when there's that moment where you're sitting, you know, just coming into your breath and that's a piece of building resilience right there is just, you know, coming into your breath. I I like to start off a class by just asking people to, you know, close their eyes and check in and just take a moment to call in what it is that you need. And it's not a magical thinking thing. It's not a law of attraction thing. It's just taking a moment to acknowledge, you know, that your needs thus far have been met. You know, you, you're still here. You've been sourced, you've been nourished. And so just taking a moment to call it in, what is it that you need? And then at the end of the class, I like to bring it full circle back and say, okay, so whatever you've received, even if you don't know what it is, you know, whatever measure of strength, whatever measure of grace, whatever measure of, um, you know, resiliency, um, take that with you and send it back out. Let that be yours to carry with you as you move back out into the day. And so I think there's just something to be said for, for calling it in, you know, um, mm-hmm. I know that sounds a little bit woo, but I know for me, that's a huge part of my practices. It's just, you know, whether I'm moving around on my mat, whether I'm taking a long walk in the woods, whether I'm, you know, sitting in front of my journal or you know, all the different things I do. So much of it is just sitting with the question, um, you know, what do I need to make space for? You know, what do I need to release? What can I, you know, may I be open to receive um, what I need in order to show up fully in this life? So I think that's a piece of it. And there's so much more, but I think that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Recognizing that um, just a shift in the vibration around the questions you're asking, right? Like mm-hmm. lifting that up and pausing, like pausing to even know that there is a question to ask <laughs> beyond 
what's wrong with the day or what could happen tomorrow that wouldn't be good in the day, but just really coming back right here, right now. I love to, and I like how you're saying, you know, kind of the start of whatever that practice is. If it's your yoga class, if it's your, you know, getting in the car before you drive to work, I think is another important moment to sort of pause and just being prepared for a safe journey. But then like you're saying at the end of the day to be able to just reflect on whatever you have received. And I love that. Mm -hmm. That's great. My, as your, my, uh, my daughter is six and uh, we used to, before she kind of outsmarted me in this practice, we used to have a, a thing that we would do in the morning where we'd kind of choose an anchoring word. Um, and so she'd be in the back in her car seat and we kind of, you know, had our little, you know, 15, 20 minute drive to school. And so I would just ask her, ask her to pick a word, you know, it was just like, okay, what are you, what are you working on today? You know? And, and for a while it was really lovely because we would come up with this whole array. She's like, I'm going to work on happiness. I'm going to work on saying thank you. And, you know, and then I would come in with my own, you know, $5 words or whatever, whatever <laughs> I could try to <laughs> explain to her inside that amount of time. But it was such a great practice because, you know, it got her in this mode where it was like, oh, wait, this is a choice. Like I can choose how I want to show up in this day. And maybe it's an invitation. You know, if I'm choosing patience as the word I'm anchoring into, I run a good chance that there's going to be some people today who might piss me off because I'm, I'm working with patience and, you know, that doesn't come for free. You get to practice that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, eventually we had to give it up because she just kept saying butterfly. And I was like, okay, great, you're going to be a butterfly. But <laughs> even that, you know, just choosing like today I want to work on today. I choose to anchor into gratitude today. I choose to anchor into joy today. I choose to anchor into, you know, whatever it is that you're needing, just making that the choice and making that the thread that you want to weave throughout your day. We're powerful, right? You know, we can do this stuff. Seriously powerful. Yes. And you know, your daughter, like she's going to, that is installed in her brain now, you know, even if she does say mm. butterfly, as her answer, right? <laughs> that's going to come back around. And I think only in the best mm. of ways, right? Like it might seem like she's sort of, you know, whatever with it now, but I'm telling you what, to me, that is very powerful. All right. So this all sounds great, Amy, but what about on the days when I'm really struggling? <laughs> what? And when you're really struggling, what steals your joy? And how do you get it back? Again, you know, I feel like it comes back to that sense of resiliency. Um, there, I feel like it's just starting to be, for the longest time, I feel like the, you know, these the spheres in which we move, right? The wellness spheres, the spiritual spheres, all of those were kind of tainted, if you will, by a lot of this kind of like law of attraction, high vibe stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's true. You know, our thoughts definitely help create the reality in which we live for sure. You know, two people can have the same exact physical experience and have completely different thought processes around it and it will shape their experience for sure. But I feel like we've gotten into this place where there's been, a, you know, to be spiritual, to be on the path, to be woke, if you will, was to kind of like shift away from, you know, what were termed more like low vibe or low frequency emotions, you know, it's just like, oh, don't dwell on your anger. Oh, don't dwell on your feeling of despair. Don't dwell on your sadness. Um, and while you don't want to, you know, live there, 
I, I think there's something deeply powerful to just allowing yourself to be exactly where you're at. Um, and I don't think it's an easy practice. You know, I, um, you know, from an early age, you know, I was, uh, you know, at one point in my life as a teenager, I was diagnosed as bipolar. And I, you know, maybe it was just part of being a teenager <laughs> in retrospect, but, and I would experience these huge dips in my emotional well-being. You know, the highs were really high um, and the lows were really, really low. And over the, you know, years and, and through my own practice and, you know, taking better care of myself through diet and all that good stuff. So I think, you know, the, the simplest answer to this question is I think, is I think there's wisdom in those, those quote unquote darker emotions. I think, you know, for the, the longest time, this, you know, the, these spiritual circles, these kind of wellness circles have really been dominated by this idea that, you know, we got to keep it really high vibe and we got to keep it, you know, stay away from the kind of the darker emotions. And, and the thing is, it's like those darker emotions are there for a reason, you know, like there can be transformative power in our anger. There is wisdom in our sadness, you know, it's okay. We live at a moment in time where there is a lot to be heartbroken about and a lot to be righteously angry about. And I don't think we do ourselves any good by trying to move past those emotions. And so I think one thing, you know, when we, you know, we roll up the mat, right. And we, we move through the poses and some of them feel amazing and others are, they suck, right. I mean, they bring up all sorts of stuff. And I always, you know, you know, try to tell my, my students, my community is, you know, this is a safe space. This mat is like a laboratory. We practice getting uncomfortable and being in chaos so that we know how to do it when it happens in real life. And so I think that's really when the practice begins to kind of blossom and unfold, right? Is when we find ourselves in a moment of lack, a moment of anger, a moment of confusion, chaos, fear, what have you. But rather than move away from it, sitting with it, right? And breathing into it and letting ourselves be deeply uncomfortable for a moment or two. And that for me, I've rather than moving away from it, but moving deeper into it seems to be the way to transform it. Yes, I think, you know, when you're saying there's wisdom in the darker emotions and that they are there for a good reason, that needs to be really highlighted because I think that when we're able, maybe not when we're in the darker emotions, because that can be kind of, you know, kind of hard to pull yourself out and think in those terms. But when things are okay, to just be able to to step back a little bit and observe, okay, well, these emotions, all of them are also, they're here for a reason to teach me something, to help me become, you know, more of who I'm supposed to be. And it's my guidance system. And I think we do spend a lot of time trying to just push the pain aside, or maybe we get consumed by the pain. But when we're able to step back and really just remember that there's a reason for this and, you know, it's to help us, it's to guide us. I think that that is just a wonderful thing to shoot for and to recognize that while it sounds good to be able to do that, it does take, you know, these little itsy bitsy steps to move toward that consistent small action. So maybe, and I know you've talked about yoga and you're a yoga teacher. And of course, I believe that this is one of the most powerful practices that there is or that there has been for me personally. But I also know that people have a lot of, you know, even though it is pretty mainstream, people still have a little hesitation. They have some fear. 
there's some discomfort that makes them hesitant to take part in a yoga class or to stick with it. You know, maybe they go once and don't have a good experience. Do you have any tips for those folks who maybe are curious about yoga, but just haven't really found their place with, with a yoga mat? Yeah. And, you know, I think I want to bring it back to, I, I, again, it comes to that, you know, that question of access and how it's being marketed and positioned in, um, in our modern culture, right. Is we have been kind of led to believe that it's only for, you know, a certain body type or a certain age bracket or a certain income bracket. And, and I guess I just want to remind people that that's just all wrong. You know, <laughs> that's just like, that's just some, some really shady, gross marketing stuff on the, <laughs> you know, to perpetuate <laughs> this ideal that it doesn't is. exist so that we'll, we'll buy more stuff. I, I want to dissuade people from that. You know, like I am, um, so, you know, at this point I have been practicing yoga since my teenage years. I'm 36. Um, and you know, in many ways I do not fit the, the yoga ideal. Um, I, you know, I have a a larger body. I have, you know, some, some injuries that I'm dealing with. Um, I do not fit what you think a yoga teacher is supposed to look like. And I don't go to 90 minute classes multiple times a week. I ain't got time for that, you know? (laughs) Thank you. So so I just want to, you know, look for people inside the yoga space that, you know, that resonate with how you see yourself. You know, we, we live in a world now, you know, even though there's a dominant image, you know, go looking for people with bigger bodies, go looking for people with disabilities, go looking for yogis of color, go looking for, go look for shorter classes or better yet, you know, find five poses, um, you know, in a, any YouTube tutorial that you like that you can do in your body and do those five poses a few times a week. You know, you get so much more out of, you know, saggy, stretchy pants and a little corner in your bedroom that you can visit 10 minutes a day than you ever would, you know, going and paying $20 for a drop-in class at some studio that you, you know, feel intimidated by, or it just isn't your, your scene, you know? So, um, let it be yours. Let it meet you exactly where you're at. Um, may find the pieces of it where you can, you know, like we, there's abundance of resources out there. Um, um, as far as, you know, just postural work and stuff goes, take that, take what the pieces that make sense for you and yeah, get your little corner of your bedroom and your saggy stretchy pants or whatever and, and start finding the thing that makes you light up, that feels you good in your body in the one you are right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Take it out of this way of what it's supposed to look like. Cause that's just a mythic idea. And no one really, <laughs> really drives like that. <laughs> Fantastic. So many good pieces here. And I'm sure we will have folks who would love to find out what are you up to? Where can they find you? What's happening that you want us to know about in your world? Awesome. Well, let's see. I right now I have, a, I have my own website and I like to do right now I'm kind of focusing my work more on um, some long-term one-on-one mentorship and facilitation work just for people that are really wanting to do um, just wanting some support in moving through a transition or moving 
through, um, you know, doing the work of transformation, really, Mm -hmm. (laughs) what that looks like on all levels. And so um, a lot of that can be found over at my website, which is um, theworkofthesehands.com. And yeah, you'll find out just a little bit more about me and kind of the the way I I work, how we could work together in that. Um, There's also the podcast project, which is something that I just really enjoy, uh, really love. And it's kind of just a a love offering that I do with a fellow uh, friend and writer, Annie Fricky. And the podcast is mendpodcast.com. Um, and we've, you know, taken all sorts of narrative turns inside of that, but it's a storytelling project, a place that we want to gather and get inspiration and share that with people and just inspire people to really show up powerfully in their own lives and in their own communities, because we're, yeah, you know, it's cliche, but we're, we're the ones we've been waiting for, right? We're the ones that are being called to really show up and, and, um, do the mending, you know? Oh, so true. So, yeah. Those are, those are two ways. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so, so much. It was, has been a pleasure to talk to you today, Amy Day. Thanks yeah, a lot. Me too, Julie. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for the work that you do. All right. Was I right? Amy is quite incredible. I hope you enjoyed the show and um, really just feel like her work is so important to share with the world. So I hope that you will share this interview. And if you have ideas or feedback or maybe just some good vibes, you can send them my way by visiting thejoyfactorpodcast.com or leaving a review on iTunes. Until next time, enjoy your day. Thank you for listening to The Joy Factor. For more information, visit www.thejoyfactorpodcast.com.